Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911 on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are in the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, Jesse. And welcome to uh, I'm back, back back on the show. It's good to be back with you, and um, we got a good show. We got some good topics today. So, how are you doing, sir? Jesus, yeah, and uh, Ruben, yeah, uh, Our Lady of Sorrows. This is a very special month uh, in regards to Marian devotion, and that's why we want to talk about a global men's rosary crusade. I want to give props to. Uh, the people that have started this, it's called the Knights. They're called the Knights of the Precious Blood, Croatian Men's Ministry. Mm. So these men from Croatia, which is, again, it's a, uh, Croatia is located in the southeastern region of the European continent, and it's on the northern, uh, western part of the Balkan Peninsula. Uh, the capital city is Zagreb. Its uh, legal name is called the, the Republic of Croatia. Those men there are starting something that they want to go international. And I think Fulton Sheen would back them up, Venerable Fulton Sheen. He once said, the problem with the world today, there are not enough rosaries being said. Mm-hmm. Fulton Sheen, pray for us. Yes. Ruben, and also uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth. he also called us, uh, uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth. He, 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 he reaffirmed the importance of not cowering from battle because he says that we're born into battle. As Catholic men, Catholic Christians, were born in a battle, even though we're aware of it or we're not aware of it. And uh, we've, we're going to be fighting this battle until we drop dead. Mm-hmm. And let me just share one paragraph from Pope Leo XIII, which is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's from an encyclical called Sapientiae Christiani. He says, this is a very famous line of his people, quote, To recoil before an enemy or to keep silence when from all sides such clamors are raised against truth is the part of a man either devoid of character or who entertains doubt as to the truth of what he professes to believe. In both cases, such mode of behaving is base and is insulting to God. And both are incompatible with the salvation of mankind. The kind of conduct is profitable only to the enemies of the faith. For nothing emboldens the wicked so greatly as the lack of courage on the part of the good. And very frequently by such display of courage from Christians, our enemies lose heart and their designs are thwarted. Christians, this is a, this is a, the, the gold, uh, this is the gold standard right here. Christians are moreover born for combat. Were of the greater the vehement, were of the greater the vehemence, the more assured God aiding the triumph. Have confidence, I have overcome the world, Pope Leo the Thirteenth. Boy, oh boy, we gotta re- we gotta shout that from the rooftops, Ruben. That's right. Yeah. So the the greater the battle, you know, more effort that's going to go into it, the the greater the the, the joy, the, the triumph that's going to happen afterwards. Yes. You know, now, you don't have to work for it. If you don't have to work for it, it's, it's not as 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 enjoyable because it's eh, it was just it came to you too easy. Yeah. If you got to fight for something. It's going to be worth more to you. Yes. Um, but society is in a great uh, decay. It's steep decay. Uh, it's with the, the adoption of the culture of death and destruction. Uh, immorality being normalized, the acceptance of and demand of for contraception, abortion and, and euthanasia gain traction worldwide. 
our children being indoctrinated against God, church, and natural moral law by schools and universities rife with, with evil ideologies, the decline in the church attendance, the denial of the existence of God, and Catholics' belief in the, real, in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist are some of the signs of the times. Christian persecution is public, vicious, and intentional. Mm. Cancel culture is rampant, even within the church. Satan and the enemies of God work ceaselessly to destroy everything holy and sacred, blaspheming God, Jesus, the Catholic Church, and our most holy mother, Mary. So what are we going to do to combat these evils? It's necessary for faithful men and faithful people to return to God and to, pr- and to prayer. Sadly, the majority of Catholics have remained silent in the face of evil. When these evil teachings, opinions, and attacks on the church dogmas are left undefended by the Catholic faithful, evil gains traction and spreading of errors makes inroads in the great apostasy we're witnessing today. There's no doubt what we're, what we're witnessing. This, it's Absolutely. Apostasy. Recently, an article in The Atlantic written by Daniel Paniton Blaspheme the rosary and those who pray the rosary, labeling them as extremists Mm. and Christian nationalists and likening the rosary, the battle beads, as a weapon akin to an AR-15 style rifle. The author, who evidently displays a Marxist bias, demonized the rosary as a physical weapon through the use of cunning use of words with negative connotations. He attempted to demoralize those who pray or display the rosary so that they would neglect their resolve or hide their rosaries. Mm-hmm. To those who may be inclined to begin taking up the rosary, Daniel Penitent offered strong encouragement from even entertaining the idea. Discouragement. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ruben. Yeah. D- offered strong discouragement. That makes a difference. Yeah. From even entertaining the idea by employing the threat of being labeled an extremist. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, despite this evil play, Pennington does, does state a misrepresented truth. The rosary is indeed a weapon, albeit a spiritual one rather than a physical one. Unbeknownst to him, the first person to actually refer to the rosary as a weapon is Our Lady herself when she gave it to St. Dominic. In fact, she's also referred to, to it as a battering ram. Father Brendan uh, Kilcoyne uh, asserts that the rosary is a machine gun of theology. It is where you pepper hell with the name of God, it was so much so is is the rosary like a machine gun rather than a mere AR-15 hmm. rifle in the battle against evil. That the devil has been forced to admit on many occasions the pain he suffers due to its power, as evidenced by the former Vatican exorcist, now deceased Father Gabriel Amorth. Share that. Who said, during an exorcism, Satan said to me through the possessed person, each Ave Maria of the rosary is a blow to my face. If Christians knew the power of the rosary, it would be the end of me. Men, we are in battle, and in the battle we need to have weapons. St. Paul clearly tells us that we're not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is spiritual. Yes. And in the first spiritual battle in Scripture... That between Adam and Eve and the devil, the serpent, God responds by proclaiming that he will put enmity between you, the devil, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall, that's reference to Jesus, shall bruise, bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel, Genesis 3.15. The battle lines have been drawn by God, and either were the seed of the woman, the new Eve Mary, or were the seed of the serpent, the devil. We are either sons of light or sons of darkness, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. The battle started in the Garden of Eden, and it continues to this day. The Atlantic article 
is a direct insult and persecution against Catholics who are the seed of the woman, who are sons of Our Lady. Scripture tells us that when the dragon saw that she, he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, Revelation twelve thirteen. We should not be surprised that Our Lady is being persecuted, nor that those who follow her in doing the will of God will be persecuted with her. The book of Revelation goes on to reveal that the serpent continues to wage war against the woman's children in Revelation twelve seventeen. Christ himself has said that we will be persecuted for following him, John fifteen twenty. It is evident that Our Lady and those who pray the rosary are a threat to Satan's plans. The devil knows the power of the virgin and her rosary against his wileys, and it is no wonder that he's utilizing every possible means to stop men <clears throat> from praying the rosary. As we see this battle intensifying, we recall the urgency with which Our Lady, during her many apparitions like, at, like that at Fatima, calls repeatedly for the rosary to be recited daily. Her role in the battle is crucial. Yeah. And then in the book, uh, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, Pope John Paul II made a prophetic statement that the Church's future victories would come through Mary. Be not afraid. Christ said, this is what he says, uh, quote, Be not afraid, Christ said to the apostles in Luke uh, 24, uh, 36. He said um, to the woman, Matthew 28, 10, After the resurrection, during, according to the Gospels, these words were not addressed to Mary. Strong in her faith, she had no fear. Mary's participation in the victory of Christ became clear to me, above all, from the experience of my people. Cardinal uh, Stefan Wazinski told me that his predecessor, Cardinal August Holland, uh, had spoken these prophetic words, words as he was dying. The victory, if it comes, will come through Mary. During my pastoral ministry in Poland, I saw for myself how those words were coming true. Uh, after my election as Pope, I became more involved in the problems of the universal church. I came to have a similar conviction. On this universal level, if victory comes, it will be brought by Mary. Christ will conquer through her because he wants the church's victories now and in the future to be, to be linked to her. And you know, Jesse, uh, Father Chad Ripperger, um, he was saying that because uh, Mary was so perfect, she did everything that was pleasing to God, she, and she never offended him. And so... He has given her, he, he's going to listen to her. Now, Jesus is going to listen yes, to her yes. because of that trust that he has with her, that she'll never come to him with anything that's against his will because she's done his will throughout her life. So, yeah, and will continue. Yes. Yeah, in the past centuries, many of Victoria's battles have been won with Our Lady's intercession and the recitation of her rosary. In particular, the Battle of Lepanto in 1571 saw all of Europe praying the rosary for the Holy League's Victory against the Muslim Ottomans with the title of with the title of Our Lady of Victories given to Our Lady in remembrance of the battle by Pope St. Pius V. Again, Pope Leo XIII reminds us how the rosary thwarted off heresies in the time of St. Dominic, speaking on the Albigensian heresy. And Pope Leo XIII actually wrote an entire encyclical on the rosary called Octobri Mensi. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot there. Uh, but Ruben, we're going to move on to another topic. Uh, up next, we're going to be talking about the conflict between the West and, and Russia. Yeah. It's a religious one. A great article that really dissects this by Emmett Sweeney. We want to share it with you because I think it's going to give us all clarity on what's happening over between Russia and Ukraine. Stick around. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Two-man car, 10-8 for Jesus, and we are going to be talking about a, something that you, you probably just won't hear on mainstream media. It's a conflict that the conflict between the West and, and Russia is a religious one. Hmm. Um, and I, I've heard this in, in conservative circles, and I've always I felt this way. I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday, just saying, "Why are we sending so much money to to the Ukraine?" Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. And, and even I heard President Trump saying that should be the Europe Europe should be leading the way, not the U.S. You know, that's on their soil over there. So right. Mm-hmm. Let's unravel this, Ruben, by Emmett Sweeney. The article is called "The Conflict Between the West and Russia Is a Religious One." The war underway in Ukraine, which pits Ukraine as a proxy for the collective West, which which is basically the woke West, the West against Russia is primarily an ideological one or religious one with Russia representing what what is left of Christian Europe. In other words, what Europe used to be. That's what Russia is now. And the West representing a totalitarian ideology that abhors religion in general and Christianity in particular. Yeah, the West is woke, including the U.S., unfortunately. This statement may sound strange, but given the fact that some Westerners, though few, though fewer every, every day, still see the West, basically Europe and North America, as Christian. That's a joke. And Russia as communist or crypto-communist. That, that's the narrative that you, they, they want you to believe, by the way, but, but I just read. But this is no longer the case and has not been for some considerable time. In fact, the 30 years that have been that have passed since the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Soviet Union has seen a complete reversal of roles. That's the key phrase right there. The collective West is now a totalitarian and, a, and an aggressively anti-religious power block that seeks to exp- export its anti-Christian and anti-human ideology onto the rest of the world. And Russia is loathed by the West ruling elite precisely because it has resisted this process and moreover has gone in the opposite direction. In other words, Russia has not gone woke. It's fact it's embraced Christianity uh, much more. It says, having once been an active proponent of scientific materialism and atheism, that's Russia formerly, Russia has reverted to its Orthodox Christian roots and has rolled back the more pernicious policies and ta- attitudes of the Soviet era, yeah, under communism. In order to demonstrate the uh, demonstrate the truth of this, we need to look at the to look at the history of Russia and its interaction with the West since the early 1990s. Ruben, yeah. So by 1991, when the Soviet Union was officially abolished, it was clear that the West had won the Cold War. Russia itself, under its new president Boris Yeltsin openly proclaimed the end of all hostilities. Russia's satellites in Eastern Europe were permitted to go their own way and autonomous republics within the Soviet Union were allowed to declare themselves independent countries. The old Soviet system of state ownership was officially abolished and almost everything was privatized. The press and media in general were freed of all censorship and could now say whatever they wanted. Russia under Yeltsin reached out of the ha- out the hand of friendship to the West a gesture that was not reciprocated and ultimately mm. snubbed by the West. The euphoria of 1901 soon gave way, and the 1990s turned out to be a catastrophic decade for Russia and her people. First and foremost, the policy of privatization turned out to be disastrous. A law was passed which forbade foreigners from buying Russian utilities and industries. Only Russians could do so. Unfortunately, nobody in Russia hitherto 
a communist country, had any money. So, however, certain groups within the country, mainly ethnic Jews, had important and wealthy connections abroad. These arranged to have funds sent into Russia for the purpose of purchasing the country's state-owned industries, desperate for any dollars and euros it could lay its hands on. And the Yeltsin administration sold these industries for a tiny fraction of their true value. So Russia's natural resources alone make it potentially one of the wealthiest countries on the planet. Hmm. The buyers of said industries became the notorious oligarchs who systematically plundered the country for almost 10 years in what has been described as the biggest act of looting in history. Rather Rather than plow some of the profits back into the businesses, the oligarchs exported almost all of them, impoverishing both their employees and the country in general. The result was that large segments of the population began to experience severe hardship. Many came close to starvation and many died of hypothermia during the bitter Russian winters. Some state employees were paid in cabbages, and it is estimated that Russia suffered over 5 million excess deaths between 1991 and 2000, and the majority of these were caused by simple diseases such as influenza, which developed into pneumonia for want of funds to buy antibiotics. But deaths from all causes, including murder, suicide, and alcoholism, and drug addiction rocketed. Russia was a country falling apart, and the population began to plummet. Just During this time, a Chechen independence movement sp- spurred on by funds from Saudi Arabia, and allegedly the West, launched a violent campaign against the Russian authorities. A savage war followed, which claimed tens of thousands of lives and eventually resulted in 1997 in Yeltsin's recognition of a semi-independent Chechnya. Independence movements began to appear in other autonomous regions, and it was clear that Russia stood on the verge of disintegration. During all of this, the, the attitude of the West, or those who control the West, was striking. Western media, by that time in the hands of a few mega corporations, was almost gleeful in its reporting of Russia's trauma in their suffering. The Russian people became the butt of the West's schadenfreude, which means pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. So the West was making fun of Russia's misfortune and the Western media. And it should be borne in mind that it was precisely in the 1990s that American corporations commenced massive outsourcing of, to their industries, uh, of their industries to other and less expensive locations. Entire factories, together with their machinery and technology, were exported in mass, primarily to China. Mm-hmm. Almost nothing went to Russia. This, in, this, in spite of the fact that China continued to be a communist and indeed a totalitarian country. Not even the massacre of the Tiananmen Square in 1989 and the subsequent brutal repression could halt the Americans' plutocracy's enthusiasm for exporting work and business. Unbelievable. So Russia, which has held out the hand of friendship to the West ever since it collapsed, the communism, and had permitted the subjugated peoples to go free, continued to be treated as an enemy and was effectively plundered by Western interest. Whereas China, which did no such thing, was now treated as a favored trading and business partner. How, how do we explain such an astonishing disparity? Go ahead, Rune. Yeah. yeah, there seems to be no logical explanation other than to assume that underlying uh, cultural religious ant- antipathy towards Russia 
and her people on the part of the very segment of the West's ruling plutocracy. So the uh, the article, the, the writer says that he suggests that this is the case and it is Russia's religion that is at the root of it. Mm. And during the communist era, Christianity was suppressed in Russia throughout the Soviet bloc. At its worst, under Lenin and Stalin, the communist regime massacred millions of Christians. Victims were mainly Orthodox, but Christians of every denomination suffered. Even after the death of Stalin and into the 1980s, religion continued to be persecuted, and all children were required to attend lessons in atheism, during which Christianity and religious faith in general was mocked. And by the end of communism, the Orthodox Church was a small remnant of its former self under the, the Tsar's but that too, but that soon began to change. Hardship birthed a spiritual revival by the mid-1990s. The Russian Orthodox Church, as well as the other branches of Christianity, began to experience noticeable growth. It was not, however, until the first decade of the 21st century and the presidency of Vladimir Putin that this movement became really significant. And Putin had occupied a senior position in the Yeltsin administration. He was no doubt viewed by the oligarchs at that time the real rulers of Russia as a safe pair of hands who could be relied upon to continue the policies which had allowed them to plunder the country for almost a decade. He was appointed prime minister on the 9th of August, 1999, and just four months later in December, acting president of Russia following the unexpected resignation of Boris Yeltsin. A presidential election on the 20th of March 2000 was easily won by Putin with 53% of the votes. And one reason for, for Putin's popularity was that he was seen as a strong leader during the Second Chechen War, which commenced on the 7th of August, 1999, just two days before his appointment as prime minister. And the war ended in April 2000 with Chechnya again part of the Russian Federation, a victory which enhanced Putin's reputation as a strong man, willing and able to restore stability and enforce the law. Jess? The, uh, two words that I want to define, because that's what defines Democrat America today. The article uh, uses the word Western ruling plutocracy. A plutocracy is a government by the wealthy. That's what runs the United States. It's a government by the wealthy. The word oligarch is another word that the article used. The article of the word oligarch means government by few. That's also what we have in the United States. We're being governed by few and the few are the the millionaires and the billionaires clubs. The bankers, yeah. Yeah, and these guys are the ones, Ruben, that that uh, stick their nose in into other countries. And this is exactly what this article is saying. Uh, over the next five years, Putin showed that the ruling Plutarchs were very much deceived had they imagined him to be under their control and part of their team. On the contrary, the new president said about breaking their power. The next decade witnessed a series of legal cases and trials which left some of the oligarchs in prison. And other forced, I can't wait till that happens in this country. Right. And others forced to pay substantial compensation. Others, arguably the most criminal, fled the country and their assets were confiscated. The breaking of the oligarch's power in Russia, together with that of the Russian mafia, which enforced their corrupt rule, began to form, began to restore some form of normality. By the way, Ruben, that's exactly what Trump wanted to do. He wanted to do a Putin in this country. He wanted to break up the oligarchy and the plutocracy, uh, and this is why they fought him for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in parallel with this economic reforms, Putin oversaw a revival of the Russian Orthodox faith. In an act heavy with symbolic import, he made a visit to the great Orthodox monastic settlement of 
Mount Athos in Greece in 2001, just one year into his presidency, although this attempt had to be aborted owing to a storm which grounded his helicopter and a second attempt in 2004 similarly shelved when he had to return to Russia to deal with the Beslan school siege. He finally made it to the Holy Mountain in 2005 where he established a bond with the monks that transformed their community and impacted the lives of ordinary Russians. A major program of the church construction commenced and the numbers attending church began to grow. Putin made it clear that he regarded orthodoxy as the Russian national religion and the church was accorded a favored legal position. Mm. And such symbolic gestures were backed by new legislation which began to transform Russian society. The country's abortion laws, hitherto some of the most liberal in the world, were tightened. This is happening under Putin. Tightened in October 2011. The Russian parliament... Hold it there, brother. Hold it there. Hey, Ruben, this article is explaining a whole lot. Russia doesn't want to go woke. The U.S. is woke. Europe's woke. Uh, and they want to make sure that the Ukraine stays woke. And uh, they're going to fund money and weapons, whatever they can, so they can uh, uh, influence Russia and destroy Russia's uh, newfound Christianity. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888. 888- Five two six two one five one. Jesus nine one one two man car, ten eight and. Ruben, uh, Ruben, I want to hear your synopsis so far. What we've shared with yeah. the audience. Uh, give me your synopsis. Russia bad, yeah. Ukraine good. Huh? We're, Is that- we're not saying we're not saying that that Putin's a saint, but we're saying no, no. He's he's, yeah. he's making that turn towards his faith, uh, the you know Russian Orthodox faith. Um, that's a far cry from the other leaders, Stalin and Lenin, and 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 even Yeltsin. They weren't doing that. In fact, they were suppressing uh, Christianity. And and so far, he, Russia is, uh, he's tightening up. I was just uh, on the part where he's tightening up the abortion laws and uh, and, and streamlining, um, pass, bringing it back down to at least 12 weeks of pregnancy with an exception of a, a 22 weeks if the pregnancy was a result of rape. I mean, not, not abolishing altogether, but it's a start. It's going to save some babies. And um, and, that, and Ruben, and that's exactly what upsets the the oligarchs yeah. and the and the and the plato- the plutocracy of the West is that this guy they're saying, wait a minute, this guy's having this this conversion. He's moving towards Christianity. This guy's not going woke like the rest of Europe and and that continent. And this is what angers them, Ruben. Yeah, they they can't control him. That's yes. The, there you go. Right. All right. Continue. Yeah. J- start off that article from the top, Ruben, from the beginning. Um. Okay. Well, okay, let's see. Well, we're, we're, I was at this point here. At, at symbolic gestures were backed by okay. new legislation, which began to transform Russian society. The country's abortion laws, hitherto some of the most liberal in the world, were tightened in October t- 2011. The Russian parliament passed a law restricting abortion for, to the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, with an exception up to 22 weeks if the pregnancy was a result of rape. And the new law also made mandatory waiting period of two to seven days before an abortion could be performed to allow the woman to reconsider her decision. I mean, that's, that would be akin to us here uh, saying, Hey, we're going to show you, you know, the um, ultrasound. You got to see the ultrasound, give you a couple mm. of days, you know, to, to reconsider. So that's, that's good because it gives, it gives people who are praying for those, um, those women who are thinking of abortion to, for those prayers to set in and, and move their soul. Ruben. And let's remember, he's not Catholic. So, 
I'm not going to hold him to Catholic standards. Yeah. This he's a secular humanist who's now embraced uh, you know, the Russian orthodoxy. He's moving towards Christ. Uh, so he's not going to have it perfect, you know what I'm saying? Because he doesn't have cat. Terry, there's Catholics that don't have it perfect. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, oh yeah, uh, uh, Anthony Fauci. So uh, this guy's a lot closer to us, the Catholic norm, than most of our Catholic leaders in the United States when it comes to the issue of abortion. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. So uh, <laughs> during the period, uh, during this period, the portrayal of Russia in the Western media. Moved from one of condescension to outright hostility. Yep. As early as 2005, scholars Ira Strauss and Edward Lazansky remarked upon a pronounced negative coverage of Russia in the U.S. media, contrasting negative media sentiment with a largely positive sentiment of the American public and U.S. government. As Russia displayed increasing signs of a Christian revival, so the media reporting in the West became increasingly hostile. Only rarely, however, did journalists open, openly attack Russia for its Christianization, normally columnless, uh, conscious of the fact that large numbers of people in the West continue to describe themselves as Christian, portrayed their anti-Russian commentary as a result of Russia's aggression, corruption, or lack of democracy. All that, however, changed with the new abortion law of 2011, now the attacks against Russia became explicitly ideological. The mm. Russians were, were told were oppressing women and turning their backs on progress. It was not until 2013, however, that the anti-Russian rhetoric went hyperbolic. In that year, the Russian parliament passed its so-called gay propaganda law. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the bill described as, quote, protecting children from information harmful to their health and development explicitly banned gay pride parades as well as other forms of LGBT material such as books and pamphlets which attempted to normalize homosexuality and to influence children in their attitudes to homosexuality. Kudos. (laughs) In actual fact, since around 2006, many districts in Russia had been imposing their own local bans on such material, though these rules had no power outside their own jurisdiction, The bill, which was signed into law by Putin in in 2013, was extremely popular and passed through the Russian parliament. Wow. Unanimously. Yeah, with just one abstention, one one Russian liberal. Uh, (laughs) But the impact upon the Western nomenklatura, which uh, that word nomenklatura in the form of a somi, it means... A list of influential posts in government and industry to be filled by the Communist Party appointees. So the Western media outlets now began to compare Putin and Adolf Hitler. That he was a thug, he was a fascist, he was a murderer. And and, and why, why, why did they do this? Because of his position on homosexuality and abortion, which is basically moving towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's exactly why the Western media started demonizing him. They started seeing that he was a James Bond villain, routinely murdering and torturing those he held a grudge against. Now, there's even evidence, admittedly, somewhat circumstantial, that Western intelligence bodies, such as the CIA and M15, became actively involved in in anti-Russian propaganda. The effect of this deluge of demonization upon ordinary Westerners soon began to show. Whereas in 2006, 
only 1% of Americans listed Russia as America's worst enemy. By 2019, 32% of Americans, including 44% of Democrat voters, shared this view. Only 28% of Republicans, however, agreed a remarkable reversal of opinion. Ruben, one of the guys that share this opinion is uh, Nitt Romney, by the way. He he bought into the he, he drank the Kool-Aid of the mainstream media. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. OK, so uh, but the, the Western elites did not confine its efforts to irate editorials in the London Times or the Washington Post. Economic sanctions now began to be discussed. There were immediate calls to boycott the Winter Olympics held in February 2014 in Sochi, Russia. Whilst the call to boycott was generally resisted by athletes, many Western politicians refused to attend, and the Russia-phobic temperature in the Western media ratcheted up, and things were about to get much worse. It's it's, it's kind of like when um, who was it the 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 governor in Florida um, he, he De- DeSantis, DeSantis, DeSantis DeSantis made that that law to to not allow you know the gender stuff in in. Uh, before third grade, you know, and that and the, the the media man lambasted them, you know, in Florida. So that's for for a, a common sense piece of legislation that everybody before yesterday would have agreed upon. Yeah. By the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in 2010, Victor uh, Yankovic, y- Yanukovych. Yanukovych, a native of the Russian speaking Donetsk, was elected president of the U- Ukraine, defeating Prime Minister Yulia. Timoshenko in what was judged by inter- in international observers to be a free and fair election. Hey, all right. <laughs> in, two, two, in 2013, Yankovic de- de- delayed signing a pending European Union Association agreement on the grounds that his government wished to maintain economic ties with Russia, as well as with the European Union. Russia had, in fact, offered a more favorable loan bailout than the European Union was prepared to offer. So this led to protests and the occupation of Kiev's independent square, a series of events dubbed the Euromaidan by those in favor of aligning Ukraine with the European Union. Whilst at times it looked as if the protests would fizzle out, there's no question that almost from the beginning there was a concerted effort on the part of Western politicians to keep them keep them going. So beginning in early December, several, several politicians from Berlin and, and Brussels paid moral boosting trips to the square. And these were followed on December 15th by the arrival of American senators, John McCain hmm. and, and Chris Murphy. M- M- McCain's the, the rhino, right? Um, right. And his daughter was the one that was tearing uh, into Trump to the assembled crowds. Uh, no, that's not, that's not who I'm talking about. Uh, McCain announced that we were here to support your just cause. The Russians for their part condemned America's crude meddling in Ukraine's affairs. Victor Newland, yes. at that time, Assistant Secretary of State for the European and Eurasian Affairs in the Obama administration, arrived in Ukraine shortly afterwards and immediately set about fanning the flames of an already volatile situation. So the, here comes the West sticking his nose in where it doesn't belong. In speech after speech, she promised the protesters and rioters that America was behind them. The result was by the early two, February 2014, Ukraine appeared to be on the brink of civil war. Violent clashes between anti-government protesters and police left many dead and injured. Fearing for his life, on February 21st, Yanukovych fled the capital, Mm. uh, initially traveling to Crimea and ultimately to Russia. A new interim government, handpicked by Newland and virulently anti-Russian, was immediately installed in Kiev. 
when considering the actions of America and the collective and the collective West at this time, we have to remember that Ukraine was and is a deeply divided society. Half the country, roughly the North and West, regards itself as Ukrainian and is historically antagonistic towards Russia. Remember, this was Russia 100 years ago, this, this piece of land. The other half, predominantly the South and East, is pro-Russian and views itself as simultaneously Ukrainian and Russian. A glance at the electoral map of the country demonstrates this division in a most graphic way, for it was the Russian part of the country, the South and the East, that, uh, that uh, overwhelmingly put Yanukovych into power. In supporting a violent overthrow of the latter, the American government quite deliberately threw its weight behind the anti-Russian half of the population. Mm -hmm. And it is impossible to believe that the political elite in Washington did not understand what they are doing. They had to have known that they were making civil strife, if not outright civil war, which was an absolute certainty. We'll continue talking about uh, this in, this incredible article written uh, by Emmett Sweeney. It's called The Conflict Between the Rest and Russia is a Religious One. I think Ruben and me have been tracking for a long time in the right direction, but this article answered a lot of my, my queries, Ruben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll be right back. Don't change that now. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We're, we're talking about the conflict between the West and Russia. It's it's a religious one and uh we're this the uh, author of this is uh he's he's laying out his argument for it and um it, it really, he's doing a good job. Yeah, when it's when it really got bad was uh, when this current president Putin had uh, had changed the abortion laws and the homosexual laws, and that's when uh, <laughs> it really came down in force. As as you see over here in this country, whenever the right pushes back on on the, the woke uh, the woke's mentality and and their their agenda, uh, we get a lot of backlash. I mean, it it, it happened. Um, well, it, it happened. What was it? Uh, Georgia. They, they they took away the uh, the filming industry. Decided not to go to Georgia. Um, right. And there were some other things that that have happened in this country. And uh, we mentioned we mentioned Florida. And so that this is what's going on in 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 Russia. So, I, and you know, it's it's interesting that Vladimir Putin. You know, he he. He takes his name from the great uh, Vladimir the Great, who was the the Russian Orthodox Church was founded on. And uh, again, we're not saying that he's a saint. We're we're, and, and we know that it's still a, uh, it's still not uh, in line with the, the the Catholic Church. Is still not in, in union with the Church, but there's still a, it, I would just think about it. the Orthodox Church. If there was no Catholic churches to attend, we could still receive the sacraments from an Orthodox Church. If that mm-hmm. was, if that was, 
that was the we we wouldn't be able to receive yep. the sacrament on a Protestant. There's no sacrament at a Protestant. Exactly. Church. Okay, so I'm just I just want to make that that distinction. We're, we're not we're not saying that Orthodox Church is is part of the the mainstream Catholic Church, but in many ways, in many ways, they're more reverent than than some of these the masses we oh, have here. Oh gosh. Absolutely. Ruben, here's one. Maybe we'll do it on another day. There's an audio on uh, an article on Patheos.com. It says Padre Pio says Russia will teach the United States a lesson in conversion. So we'll save that article for another day. Oh, wow. To hear that <laughs> yeah. One. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. Go good and continue. Uh, go ahead, Jesse. I, I lost my. OK. <laughs> yeah. This. uh the civil strife was not long in coming as the anti-government mobs in Kiev were in the process of throwing out uh, Yanukovych. Major protests began against the coup. Uh, against the coup began to occur in the south and east. Crimea, which was overwhelmingly overwhelmingly Russian, and had only been transferred to the jurisdiction of Kiev by 19, in 1954 by Khrushchev, held a referendum, resulting in a 97 percent vote for reunion with Russia. Putin, infuriated by American actions in Kiev, accepted the result of the vote and formally announced the return of Crimea to the Russian Federation. Simultaneously with this, cities and towns throughout the south and the east of the country saw massive anti-Maiden protests with many people calling for secession from Ukraine and union with Russia. The new Washington-appointed regime in Kiev reacted with force. 47 pro-Russian demonstrators in Odessa were besieged in the city's trade union building and burned to death by a neo-Nazi mob. Seeing the way things were going, the ethnically Russian provinces of Lugansk and Donetsk declared independence and prepared to defend themselves. This quickly escalated into full-scale war, and over the next two years or so, around 14,000 people, mainly ethnic Russian civilians, died as the Kiev government fought to return the two provinces to Ukraine. The fighting, is in, the fighting in Lugansk and Donetsk de-escalating after the signing of the so-called Minsk II Accord in 2015. This deal, brokered by Russia, the U.S., and the U.N., provided for a degree of autonomy for the two breakaway provinces, as well as recognition and respect for, the Rus- for their Russian language and culture. The deal also called for the immediate halting of all military action. Go ahead. Had the Minsk agreement been fully implemented, it's quite possible that all hostilities would have ended. But this was never the case. The new government in Kiev, which was uh, from May 2014, was headed by Petro Poroshenko, made no attempt whatsoever to abide by the accord's provisions. On the contrary, the Russian language, hitherto one of the official languages of Ukraine, was demoted and Russian culture in general denigrated. Even worse, none of those who had committed murder in Odessa and elsewhere were brought to justice, and the neo-Nazi militias responsible for these atrocities were actually integrated into the Ukrainian army. Worst of all, sporadic shelling of civilian targets in Lugansk and Donetsk continued for the next six years. To repeat, the collective West could not have been unaware of the dangers of its interference in the affairs of Ukraine. This was deeply divided a country to inter- intervene on behalf of one section of the country at the expense of the other could not fail to de- deepen divisions and ultimately cause the disintegration of the state. That the West took the side of the anti-Russian half of the population was entirely in harmony with the increasingly hysterical tone of anti-Russian rhetoric in the Western media in the years leading up to the Maiden Revolution. 
And we can take uh, with a pinch of salt the idea that Newland and the Obama administration was concerned with corruption in the Yanankovitch regime. America is and always has been on very friendly terms with governments far more corrupt, violent, and totalitarian than that of the Yanukovych. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would suggest that the real reason, or certainly an in, extremely important, though unspoken reason, for Newland's mission was that Yanukovych's pivot towards Russia was seen by the woke establishment in Washington as a sign that Ukraine would follow Russia into adopting an increasingly Christian-friendly social culture, one that the liberals and progressives in Washington despised. We should note that one of the Poroshenko's first actions as president of the Ukraine was to provide openings for George Soros, Open Society Foundation, and to simultaneously support the establishment of LGBT input into the educational system. Gay pride parades became a regular feature of the life in Kiev, where, though distinctly unpopular with the great majority of the population, they received massive support and protection from the security forces. Unbelievable, um, Jess. And Ruben, now, yeah. The other thing that, that's not mentioned, though, is uh, is the, the resources in Ukraine. You know, they've got so many things, uh, coal and uranium and, and you know, um, oil. So they, so now that uh, Russia has gone in there to try to reclaim some of that because um, that to having the Ukraine join the European Union that would you know that would kind of surround Russia with with a lot of enemies enemies exactly <laughs> Ruben, and I'll, and I'll tell you uh, it's it's no wonder that Ukra- Ukraine receives a lot of money from the US to continue perpetuating this war uh because I don't trust Zelenko uh he's he's a, he's a woke president uh, and there's videos of of him on youtube uh, he's promoting uh this L- the lgbt movement and he's yeah. dancing with a bunch of other men i know you've seen yeah it. dancing like a little fairy running yeah yeah it's it's disgusting that this is the president of of a country dancing like you said like a queen with a bunch of other men promoting homosexuality on the other hand <clears throat> you have putin who uh has been doing judo for I don't know how many years, rides horses, uh, and has had a conversion to Christianity. I don't care what anybody says. I'm, we're not calling him Saint Putin, obviously, but as a result of Putin's presidency, there's been a rise in, in Russian Orthodox Christianity, which is it's probably one of the biggest untold stories. Uh, it's Nobody wants to talk about it. The fact that the, the rise of Christianity in Russia, uh, of course people don't want to talk about this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not politically correct because Russia's not playing the woke game. Uh, Putin's done so many things, Ruben, that I just, it makes my head like, wow. I said, it makes my head spin and brings joy to my heart. Putin is, again, uh, he, he's, he's uh, made speeches against abortion. I'm looking at one here in 2013. Uh, Putin says Russia considers banning abortions as abortion decimates its population. Another one, 2012, Putin calls for three-child family to become the norm. So he's calling women uh, have at least three children and he'll, he'll pay you 15,000 Russian, whatever you call it uh, per child. Mm. Uh, he says, because we need to increase the size of our population. Putin also, I'm looking at another article uh, where Putin uh, banned Sharia law from Russia. Mm. You can't set up a, a, a Sharia law, you know, a, a, an environment or community with, with Islamists. 
in Russia. Uh, there's another article I'm looking at here. Putin attends consecration of church dedicated to martyrs of communism. Uh, Another one here. It says, uh, Putin says that the U.S.'s decisions to legalize same-sex marriage is godless and sinful. Putin said this. Nice. Here's one more. Then I'll... Uh, Russia fines under Putin, Google, and Facebook $120 million for corrupting minors with pornography and transgender ideology. I don't know, Ruben. People have called this guy a monster. Well, I don't know. This, it, 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 this, it, when you read the things that he's done, uh, now I see why they're trying to demonize him. Because this guy, could, this guy could be Christianity's greatest weapon in the 21st century. Wow. And y- you know, the media could stand Trump. And when he made for, when he was he had a good relationship with Putin and they demonized him and 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 Trump was saying he's not our biggest threat you know China's our biggest threat, and but the media here would would have you believe oh they're on the same side he's he's dealing with, and that's where all this Russian collusion came in you know that he's yes. because they thought that he was you know he was chumming up to to Putin and they're still looking at they're still looking at Russia as as you know back in the you know the Soviet Union days. And, um, you know, I, I he's done so many good things, but you, we just don't hear about that here. They don't want us to know that stuff. And you have to kind of research it like you just did, Jesse, to to find it. And this is this is amazing how this uh, this whole generation with this woke establishment. Yes, is is it's not it's just not just here in the United States. It's global. And this is all part of the globalist agenda to. To, to to mess with the minds of our, our youth and you destroy the families and uh, it's called you, psyops psychological uh, you know psychological operation of of, uh, of of a people through the media that's what they've been doing it's, they, it's psyops yeah. it's brainwashing through the media Ruben I'll tell you uh, I'll tell you why they don't like Putin as well he wears an orthodox cross mm. and I'll tell you why they don't like him as well There's there, you could watch him on YouTube there's pictures of him when he goes to his services called the Divine Liturgy and he walks in, he venerates an icon of the Blessed Virgin Mary every time he walks in. They don't like that either. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, the show. You uh, you know, I, I learned a lot and uh, hopefully you did too. And <clears throat> remember, we're in the month of Our Lady of Sorrows, so let's, uh, let's just get out our, our Lady of Sorrows chaplet and let's just start Amen. praying that. Remember to pray the rosary as well. Okay, that's that's gonna that's gonna be our weapon against this this woke establishment. Okay, By the two, way, if you want to if you want to get today's article, go to vmpr.org. It's worth reading the article, or go to my website jesseromero.com. That's a wrap, Ruben. Yep. Stay tuned for hands-on apologetics. Gary Mashuda from the Midwest Command Center. We are 10-7 EOW. Out. <laughs>